Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in this series in the book of 1 Corinthians. Today we're in chapter 11 where Paul tells us to be imitators of Christ. So what does that mean? What's the Bible's perspective on engaging with the culture? I mean, can you follow his truth and be in the world? Well, Sean will share the answer. It can be done, but it is not easy. Reachingforreallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do so today, right now even. It's a place to give at reachingforreallife.org. Today's part two of the message called Culture Clash. Pastor Sean is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and Matthew 7. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. Husbands, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband's the head of wife as Christ the head of the church. Husbands, listen, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Well, I love her. No, no, that's not what it says. He gave himself for her. Where did he do that? On the cross. Ooh. No, no, we're not sure about that. Um, can we switch God? Because she's a good leader. She's got some good ideas. And I could support her and encourage her because that whole cross thing looks painful to me. And he's saying, husbands, love your wives the way Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And in that, what we see, and this is so important, when we talk about headship, we have to understand God is teaching us something about his authority. And he is giving the husband and the wife the opportunity in the home where people are made, where people are raised to teach about authority. Husbands, he has chosen you to represent the authority of Christ and the way Christ carried out his authority. Remember what Jesus said? I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. That's how Jesus exercised his authority. So servant leadership, servant authority, sacrificial authority, he is calling husbands, us as husbands, to model and to teach so that our children, when they're raised, have a model of sacrificial servant leadership, an authority that is practiced and carried out in humility and sacrifice. Wives, he's called you to model submission to authority, and just like Jesus did. So you're modeling the other side of Jesus' approach to authority. When Jesus in the garden said, God, if it's possible, take this cup from me, but not my will, yours be done. And he modeled submission to authority. See, the whole problem we have with all this is the issue with authority. And what God did with this issue of headship is he created a system whereby we, if we do it God's way, if we raise our families in a godly way, our children grow up with this biblical picture of what, oh, that's what sacrificial love looks like. Oh, that's what humble submission looks like. I get it. And instead, we have some kids who leave home with this idea of I have no interest in authority. I do what I want. And we know the problems that that creates. So that's the core idea Now, what I want to suggest is the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 spends most of his time focusing on their issue. That's what this head covering thing is about. They were kind of saying, we we don't need that anymore because of Christ, so these traditions, we don't need to do those anymore. He's saying, no, no, in your context, you don't want to communicate that you are throwing off the principle of headship because it was a cultural norm in their culture. That was their issue. He kind of touches on our issue, but our issue is even bigger. And I want to focus today on our issue. And here's our issue on this idea of headship. It is offensive. That's our issue. 
It's politically incorrect, and it is offensive to us. Our culture has a repulsion to this whole concept. This is offensive in our cultural interactions. So what happens whenever we find something like this, and this is where I want us to focus, we stand at a crossroads. We really do. We, We are at a crossroads between what the Word of God is teaching us and what our culture is saying to us. And here's the main point. If you're taking notes, write this down. Each of us must choose whether we're going to follow the culture or we're going to follow Jesus. Let me say that again. Every single one of us must choose whether we are going to follow the culture or are we going to follow Jesus. See, I don't think Paul is saying that Christians forever, for always, have to wear, Christian women have to wear head coverings. I think he's saying in that time, It was important because it was an illustration of another principle. That principle is the timeless, eternal peace, which we cannot leave, and that's the one that's offensive. Do you know, if we said our cultural tradition is for women to wear head coverings because it's just, well, what we've always done, nobody would care. But when we teach that principle of headship, we teach that principle of authority and men loving sacrificially and women submitting out of reverence for Christ, and we we share those principles, those are culturally offensive. And each one of us must choose whether we're going to follow the culture or follow Jesus. That's the choice we have. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 16? Verse 24 through 26, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whomever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? See, that idea of take up your cross, we say it, we even have songs, so beautiful. Yeah, what's not beautiful to them? Okay, wasn't talking about jewelry. Take up your cross. I got mine on, Jesus. I'm in the club. Yeah. That is not at all what he's talking about. Take up your your implement of execution. Come, take up your electric chair and follow me. What? If you prefer your lethal injection, come after me. For you, I've got a gallows. And, And for the exotic among us, a guillotine. Pick, t- pick your poison. Maybe just poison. The whole point is it's a mode of execution. A cross to them was not the way we see a cross. A cross to them was, what Jesus, that sounds a little crazy. Take up our cross. That's where people are horribly, brutally executed. He says, yeah. See, you want to save your life? You got to lose it. You want to lose your life? You'll find it. See, our soul is on the line. Jesus says there's something significant. We have to be prepared. We have to be prepared to stand out. We, we walk in the biblical context instead of the cultural. People are going to look at us kind of like we look at the Amish. The day is going to come when you talk about people who walk in sexual purity. We're gonna, oh, those quaint people with their antiquated rules. People who really believe that God created things the way they are. He made them male and female and that we don't just get to kind of make it up as we go along. We're, we're going to be those, those, those out-of-touch people who, you know, do they, do they have horse and buggies? I mean, what, do, do, they, do they have electricity? I don't, I don't know. They're going to look at us like we look at the Amish sometimes and think of them as, oh, they're antiquated. They're, they're their own little kind of sect. They're doing their own little thing. That's what people who follow Jesus biblically are going to seem like more and more. If we, as we make this choice, as we're at that crossroads, and we say we are going to follow Jesus instead of following the culture. And we need to be prepared for that. 
I have to tell you, the last seven months have been one of the most difficult seasons I've ever experienced in church ministry. I feel terrible for for young pastors who maybe they're in the second, third year of their new church plant and they're just starting to get, get up and running and they're like, hey, two months in a row we made payroll, it's awesome. And then COVID hits. It's like, what the heck was that? I mean, stop and think about it. This pandemic where we are unbelievably divided over how to respond, over what are the right mechanisms, how do we live life in the midst of a pandemic? We're divided. And then throw on top of that huge racial division. Racial division that seems to be getting worse, not better. I mean, honestly, it seems like it had gotten so much better where people were starting to say, you know what, we're all just one. And we're kind of working at at getting rid of some of these personal things, but we are beginning to walk together. And then it has exploded in the last 10 years into where we are today. And the division is unbelievable. And then I read something about us having an election coming up. Had you heard about that? I don't know if you were aware. Talk about division. I have not seen as divisive an election in my lifetime. And I've seen some pretty divisive elections. Notice the common thread, all three. Division, division, division. Remember, that's the main thing that Paul is dealing with in the book of 1 Corinthians. Because they were so carnal, they would divide over anything. Well, there are so many different opportunities for us to divide. When Paul's whole point through this whole book over and over and over again is the answer is to follow Jesus together. Follow me as I follow Christ. A few observations about following Jesus. Number one, following, following Jesus means he is leader and Lord. Some of you are sitting thinking, but I don't want a leader. Any of you praying this morning and thinking, you know what I need? Lord, give me another leader in my life. It's like, we, we, don't, we don't want another leader. We want to do what we want to do. A lot of people don't even want God because we want to be God. You know, with a small G, it's not like we're megalomaniacs, but we're, we're, we're like, I want to do my own thing. I don't want a leader. I don't want anyone telling me what to do. What's interesting is not only is he your leader, but he places you under other leaders. Which makes it worse, because at least he's perfect. He's perfect. No one, not one of the other leaders that he places you under is perfect. Not one. He places you under leaders in government. It's like, oh God, can you believe it? But the scripture says, yep, none of that authority could exist if God didn't institute it. And he is God's instrument. That leader, he or she is God's instrument in your life for good. Yeah, but they're corrupt. Do you realize God can work through corrupt leaders to help you become the person he called you to be? I don't think it's good to have corrupt leaders. I don't want corrupt leaders, but I'm just saying if there are corrupt leaders, God's not somehow going, wow, I didn't bank on that. I'm, I am sorry, my bad. <laughs> All bets are off. You do, every, every man for himself, go. Yeah, that's not, that's not God's. God knew. When he established authority, he knew there would be leaders who were not perfect. That's the only kind he has to choose from. Governmental leaders. He's placed you under church leaders. Now, they're fine. They're all good. But I'm just saying. That, that way too much laughter for that one. Okay? Not, that, should, that was serious. No. 
No, church leaders. And, and I got to tell you, there's lots of people going around today who like, you know, yeah, I'm a Christian. I just don't do the church. Or I, I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not a Christian. I'm spiritual. That's one of my favorites, which means I do what I want. I'm my own theologian. And the reason, when you start talking to these people who say, well, yeah, I love Jesus, I just don't love Christians, or I love Jesus, but I'm, just, I'm not a part of any church, what you dial down to, why? Tell me why. And boom, 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 you'll ultimately get down to where some leader hurt them. A leader, it's not just a church. Church is, is all of us, it's nebulous. No, there's a face. There's a name. Somebody hurt them. And instead of taking that hurt to Jesus, Instead of dealing with it biblically, which the Bible gives us how to deal with hurt in the church, how to deal with conflict. Because, man, God knew that there would be this iron sharpening iron thing that would happen as we were in community together. And that good things would happen in our character and our soul as we learn to live together and work things out and follow Jesus together. None of us being perfect. But instead, there's a whole lot of people who said, yep, I'm out. And they are now their own, the sole arbiter of faith and doctrine in their life. And i got to tell you, I've not seen that be good for people. And largely it's because of authority. Because we don't understand authority. We don't want to submit to authority. And so we want to be a free agent as much as we can. It doesn't work that way. Following Jesus means he is the leader and Lord, not us. It's a blow to my pride because I want to be the boss. It's a blow to my flesh because I want to do what my flesh wants to do 24-7. Problem is that's not how it works. And when you become a person who says, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to follow his leadership, now you're going to be out of sync. And now you're going to, more and more as we follow Jesus, we are going to be those those out-of-touch people who just don't get it. And this is the part where we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, the listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called Culture Clash. It's in the series on unity called One which is available right now on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find that Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. In fact, your gift of any amount today will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azar. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now the conclusion to the message, Culture Clash. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. Listen to Paul's language in Romans 12, 1 1 and 2, in light of this topic. Remember what he said? He said, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice. In other words, you don't have to physically die. Jesus did that for you. But you've got to lay your life down. Living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
And then he says this in verse 2, it's so important. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, the problem is I live in a world that has become increasingly volatile in its insistence that I conform. Some of you are old enough, and now I'm going to go papa on on you you, you 20-something. Sorry. Indulge me. You may not know this, but there was a day when tolerance was considered something to be sought after. We, 15, 20 years ago, we were told, those of us who believed in certain biblical, moral, ethical things, we were told, no, 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 you need to learn tolerance. We need to tolerate people who are different. Now, in fairness, at the time, I rejected that because tolerance in and of itself is not a virtue, right? Because it depends on what you're tolerating. If I tolerate evil, that's not virtuous, okay? So tolerance is just a thing. It depends on what I tolerate. But now, the people who were the tolerance crowd who were saying, you Christians are so, no, you need to learn to tolerate. Now they've stopped tolerating. There's no tolerance. It's like conform or else. We will hunt you down. And and you just understand, oh, there is a lot of pressure to conform, a lot of pressure to try to become like everyone else. See, each of us must choose whether we're going to follow the culture or follow Jesus. I choose to follow Jesus. Second, following Jesus changes how I approach his word. Following Jesus changes how I approach his word. And that's, this is one that is really relevant for us. Listen to how Jesus talked about his word. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. He said, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. He's talking about, his, he's talking about your life in his words, but he's comparing it to construction on a solid foundation. He'll be like the wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. The pandemic came, race riots came, the election blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell and great was the fall of it. See, following Jesus changes how I approach his word. And here's a question. I want you to hear this, because this is so common, it's been largely accepted in Christian circles. Do I look for ways to align his word with my beliefs rather than the other way around? Do I look for ways to align his word with my beliefs and practices or with what is culturally expedient? Do I look for ways to explain his word? Well, it didn't really mean that, or it didn't really say that. Or do I do what we as followers should do? I build my life on that word. So I align my beliefs and my practices with what his word says. I want to suggest so many Christians are so desperately trying to avoid being out of alignment with the world. It scares us silly. Trying to make our message palatable to the world, and it doesn't work. Jesus said it wouldn't work. Jesus said if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. And so this this trying to kind of figure ways where we can compromise and figure ways where we can kind of soften the word a little bit because that's kind of hard. What we're doing is we're taking the truth that leads to life and blessing, and we're twisting it and trying to uh, to merge it 
with something that demonstrably leads to death, to destruction. Do I look for ways to align his words with my belief and practices, or, as I should, do I look for ways to align my belief with his word? See, I would rather, if you don't believe it, just say it. If you don't believe the word, you don't believe in God, you don't believe the word, don't try to play games, just say it. I don't believe it, I don't think it's true. Boom, and get on with your life. The book of Revelation, it actually says he would rather you would be cold than lukewarm. You've got to be hot or cold. Because if you're lukewarm, I'm just going to spew out another. And here's the problem with being lukewarm. Here's why it's a more dangerous position. Because you're kidding yourself. You're fooling yourself. At least if you're cold and saying, I don't believe it. I'm not walking in it. You know, let the chips fall where they may. At least you know where you stand and you know what position you're in. And I think, God, it's easier to reach that person than the person who's self-deluding by saying, oh, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, but they keep explaining away the scriptures that tell them to follow Jesus. They keep explaining away biblical truth, biblical principles. And more and more, they just kind of merge our faith into this kind of nice version of worldly living. That is not our faith. And I think we'd be better off just acknowledging it, saying, I don't believe, and then let God deal with our hearts accordingly. See, last week we talked about a surrendered heart. That's what a surrendered heart is all about. Each of us must choose whether we're going to follow the culture or follow Jesus. Last thing, and I'll close with this, following Jesus requires that I trust him completely. Following Jesus requires that I trust him completely. See, following is a step of faith. I'm not going to follow someone I don't trust. And, and you understand, this is kind of scary, We know we are saved by grace through faith. The same faith that saves us is the faith that empowers us to follow him. And if I don't believe him enough to follow him, I might not be believing him enough to actually let him save me. It's like, well, but with salvation, I'm just saying a prayer and hedging my bets. That's not faith. That's unfaith. No, faith says, I trust you, God, and without you, I'm lost and I repent, and I turn from my way, and I'm going to follow you because you are my only hope. That kind of faith saves, and that kind of faith is a faith that when you come to those crossroads and the culture says one thing and Jesus says the other, you're like, okay, this is, this is going to leave a bruise, but I'm going, Jesus. I'm going because I believe you. I'm going to follow you. Do you trust him? Do you trust his intention for you? Do you trust that he's not trying to ruin your life? He's not trying to take anything fun and joy-filled and ruin it. Like, well, earth is going to be hell on earth, but heaven will be awesome. Or do you believe that he wants to give you love, joy, and peace here on earth? His Holy Spirit in you. His life lived out in Christian community. No matter what we have to walk through together. We're walking through together with him and with the body. I have to trust his intention for me. I have to trust his power to do what he said. It's this promise. We, we read it all the time. John 10, 10 and 11. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And the culture is one of his main tools in doing that. The flesh, the culture, the world. 
The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. My question for you is, do you trust him? Do you trust him enough to follow him? If you have a hard time with what Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians 11, because, man, it's just politically incorrect. Do you trust him enough to say, yeah, I'm not sure political correctness is getting us a great product. I don't, I'm not sure it's getting us great fruit in our lives. I want Jesus. I want to follow him. So in my home, in my family, in my marriage, I'm going to practice God's assignment for me. We're going to walk in mutual submission to him. To him. What about all the other ways that the culture says, go here, and Jesus says, go here? Who are you going to trust? I don't care how offensive it is to the culture. I want to follow Jesus because I've seen, I've seen what he does. I've tasted and seen that he is good. I encourage you today, follow Jesus with all your heart and let him bear the fruit in your life that he intended the whole time. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. If you'd like to hear this full message in the series called One, it's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our contact us page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.